This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Welcome to episode 10 of the Boxing Betting Show. My name is Tom Craze. This week, I'm very pleased to say we have a another special guest on the show. His name is Jerry Murray um, and will be a familiar name to many in the industry, um, although maybe not to some outside. Um, Jerry, hi, how are you? How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Very well. Um, Jerry, to, to kind of give the, the listeners a bit of context um, and, and kind of background into, into who you are and, and, and why I've got you on the show, what's your, what's your kind of background and, and how did you end up being a, a kind of go-to for, for a guy like me? Uh, so I guess there's probably two sides to that. Um, long-term boxing fan. So, you know, from since I was a kid, I've always been uh, been a, a big fan of the sport and, and followed it. And then I suppose got lucky enough in the, the last few years where that started to cross over with the, the professional life as well. So um, I am a, a, a consultant for um, betting and, and gaming industry. Um, and probably where that's taken me most um, to an involvement in boxing is um, one of my clients kindred who've, who've got a, a brand 32 red are quite heavily involved in in boxing sponsorship so um yep. yeah i've you know worked with them very closely on sort of the the, the boxes that they sponsor um show sponsorships and so from that has, has got me sort of quite well ingrained into the world of boxing in the last few years i know some of the work you've been doing with with 32 red but did you kind of detail what some of those projects have been um just so people can kind of get an idea yeah so um i mean my role is to sort of help recommend their their marketing strategy essentially um and so we got them in involved in uh sponsorship of of events so it's just a, a branding exercise so 32 red at the moment um sponsor all of the the queensbury shows on bt um so we'll help mm-hmm. them put together to to that deal and, and the package for what will be included in it with the the guys at queensbury um and then also um from a, a content generation perspective we'll work with them on sort of who are the right um, brand ambassadors for them in, in boxing and help them select sort of the, the 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 fighters that they work with. So um, I work quite closely with them on their their work with Josh Warrington, Carl Frampton, Zelfa Barrett, Jack Cattrall, uh, Daniel Dubois. There's been some some other boxers they've worked with in the past as well. So uh, helping set together the the plans are sort of you know how they'll put together campaigns around those guys as well. Jerry, we're going to focus on one fight again, uh, like we did last week, just one fight this episode. Uh, it's the uh, the big one, obviously, the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight Final. Inoue versus Denaire, um, Saitama, Japan, this Thursday. And Thursday, because, well, why not? Um, in, in terms of the odds, this is very, very different from what we've seen so far in any other WBSS final. Obviously, we've had Usyk Gassiev, we've had Smith Groves, We've had Progre Taylor. All have been not necessarily 50-50 or pick them on paper, but not a million miles away. This is very, very different. Uh, you've got Inoue, who opened extremely long, kind of 1-33, to 1-25. to 25. There's been a bit of movement on that, which, which we'll get into in a minute. But you've had Donaire, the, the kind of wily old veteran, open up around 10-1. to 1. So on paper, the, the layers see this as a mismatch. Inoue was odds-on to win the whole thing. Opened up about 4-6, to six, so... Minus 158 to 13, minus 162, 18 and 0, 16 KOs, light flyweight, super flyweight, bantamweight, three-weight world champion, and skip flyweight for the, for the kind of fun of it on the way. But he's following a similar route through the divisions to Donaire, who's, you know, been there, done it, flyweight, super fly, bantam, super bantam, featherweight. You know, an old dog now, 36 years old, 45 fights in, 10 years 
Inoue Senior, but does seem to have a bit of a new lease of life since dropping back down from featherweight to bantamweight and has looked a bit more, say a bit more, to be fair to him, he's looked much more dangerous since. As much as I've got a soft spot for Denaire, I think he's had a fairly soft route through to the final, although the obviously the draw against Burnett was a tricky one. He had a bit of a touch with Burnett's injury and then the replacement, Stephen Young, in the semi-final. Inoue's had it much harder, but has made obviously light work of every guy he's faced so far. Jerry, how do you see it? Is it, I was going to say, is it lamb to the slaughter over here, but Denaire at 36, I guess you'd call that mutton? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's difficult to make a case for how Denaire is going to win this fight. Um, and I know we sort of briefly chatted about this on, on Twitter, I think probably around the time that the, the prices sort of first started appearing for the fight. And I, I guess if you're trying to look for a, a, a longer price winner in this one, um, or, or you're trying to find a reason for, for Donaire to be able to win the fight, you're almost harking back to probably his you know, glory days and, and maybe sort of going back nearly 10 years ago now and hoping that he's still got that, that power and maybe the, the left hook that could cause a bit of trouble for Inoue. But um, I mean, I, I think in reality, if you go, you know, part the odds aside for a second, you just go, how do you see the fight playing out? I think it's based on what we've seen in, in recent fights. For me personally, I'd say it's, it's difficult to see this going the distance. I think you're, you're then really starting to look into at what point do you think Inoue is going to be able to to get Denair out of there? And and is there any value in, 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 in any of the prices around there? I think there was probably when we first had this discussion on Twitter, I think that I was a little bit surprised maybe about how short Inoue opened up. But um, at the prices as they are now, I'd say it probably looks about right to me. Yeah, I'm going to um, try not be too smug because I think the, the price set, I remember you, you said, what, what price do you make, do you make Dene? He's never a 10 to 1 shot, Tom, is he? And I said, well, I don't know, I make him maybe 6, 7, something like that. And he's sort of settling around that. Um, That's why so, you're uh, doing this show, you know your stuff. <laughs> certainly the market has settled since, I think that was back in July that we we spoke about that. So you've had best part of four months since. Um, Inoue was... You know, one to thirty-three, one to twenty-five. Best price now, one to eight. So minus eight hundred, um, eighty-nine percent uh, implied probability, and a fairly short, a fairly short spread. At worst, one to fourteen, ninety-three um, percent. Nonetheless, that's still you know ninety-three percent implied probability with the the bookies that is going to win this fight. You've got Dinares, you've got the draw to factor in as well. So there doesn't leave much. Um, much kind of wiggle room there. Denaire's come in a bit from from that ten to one uh, best price now seven to one, twelve and a half percent. Look, I think you ask everyone, and everyone has the same. It's one of those fights where everyone's got the same reaction. Well, yeah, Inoue is going to win quickly. Of course he is, and you know, since going the distance with um, David Carmona back in 2016, he's won eight fights on the spin. Only obviously fairly recently stepping up to bantamweight, but all eight of them coming by coming by stoppage, um, averaging just four rounds exactly to win all of those fights by stoppage. So the the fact that he's kind of blowing guys out of there quickly is is obviously well publicized. But what is sort of underestimated a little bit is how good these guys are. You know, Rodriguez, Payano, McDonald, Inuit, like I rate him exceptionally highly, certainly no lower than number three pound for pound. But people are saying, well, who's he beaten to be up there? But at the same time, without kind of sign of patronizing here, unless you don't know how good these guys are, 
yes, they're not necessarily big names, but they're all either world title challengers, world champions in their own right, and he's just he's blitzed them. Um, well, they're talking about him going through this. You know, I mean, it's conceivable that he could go through this tournament in under ten minutes. Uh, is something I read today, which is the <laughs> remarkable because, as you said, you know, the level of competition. While it might not be household names to everyone, it is is pretty strong. It is, and you know, he, he steps up. Obviously, out, this is outside the tournament, but, but Jamie McDonough, we know what kind of a fighter Jamie McDonough is, and yes, he was struggling to make one one eight, but. Knocked him out in a round. Payano knocked him out in a round. Rodriguez, who thought, look, surely he's going to take him a, a little bit. Uh, knocked him out in two rounds. It's it's a kind of run that, it, this sounds a little bit weird, but in a few years we'll look back or maybe a decade and say, hey, remember when Inyo was doing that in a kind of sort of Pacquiao-style streak at the lower divisions? Or even, to be honest, the Denaire-style streak when, back when he was um, tearing through flyweight and so on. But look, Denaire, as, as you say, He's no stranger to being the the underdog full stop, but certainly more and more these days against Frampton last spring, three to one plus Ryan Burnett this time last year, four to one, um, nine to two, so plus four fifty. And then obviously way back in the you know the the first Vic Darchinian fight, two thousand seven. Actually, it was quite a similar similar price um, to this fight. Darchinian was the the strong strong favourite. That was a huge upset, and Darchinian was about one to seven actually. So there, mm. obviously, that was a long time ago now. Um, I guess the question, Jerry, is if Daenerys is seven to one, he's in Japan, which we we know isn't it's not exactly a hotbed of dodgy scoring. It's you, you generally get a fair shake, but nonetheless, you're in Japan. You're in your opponent's backyard. Twelve and a half percent on. On Denaire, is that saying he's got a puncher's chance only? Is there a bit more than that? Um, I think it would be, it's probably a little bit disrespectful to say he's only got a puncher's chance. Um, if you watch the Burnett fight, I mean, obviously it had a, a strange ending because of the injury, but um, I don't think he was winning the early rounds, but he was certainly competitive enough in them. Um, he was in the fight. It wasn't, you know, horribly one-sided or anything when it, it came to an end. Um, but I think on, again, everything that we've seen in, in recent years, how would, how would you price up Burnett versus um, Inoue? I mean, you'd be starting Inoue, a, a heavy favourite for that fight, I think, as well. Um, and, and I just, I, I think that you would need to be seeing a, um, a prime Donair for you to feel comfortable about him taking a, a points decision out there and being able to outbox Inoue. And I, I just don't think there's been enough evidence really of that in, in recent years. So yeah, there, there, there may be a, a small amount of value in the, um, in, in the price. Um, and we've probably seen recent examples, you know, where um, a side or, or not a side, but um, well fancied fighters have, have been given a decent run for the money. We had Luke Campbell probably putting up a better show against um, uh, Lomachenko than people were expecting. Kovalev at the weekend doing well for a number of rounds uh, against Canelo, but ultimately both were, were reasonably well beaten. And I, I think they probably had a little bit more left in the tank than Donaire. The, the one thing that's worried me when I've gone back and watched some recent fights in him, him recently is. You know, he fought reasonably well against Frampton, but he was taking quite a few flush shots during that fight. Same against um, Burnett. Burnett was was landing fairly frequently with a, the right hand on him as well. And I just think if if you're gonna if if you're gonna do that against Inouye, you're gonna get found out 
sooner rather than later. So, I mean, I just think it for me, it just keeps coming back to the the the, the position of at what point do you think Inouye is going to get him out of there and how long can Daniel last? I, I, I just personally can't see him seeing out the 12 rounds. You mentioned an interesting point there, fantasy scenarios that were if, if Ryan Burnett were to get through to the final, which, you know, according to the odds, he, he was... He was meant to do the pre-tournament odds. That is the difference there, though. With all respect to Ryan Burnett, is that he's not—he doesn't have the X factor in terms of punch power that Denaire has. So he'd be going into the going into the final almost without that. Like everyone's got a puncher's chance, but Denaire has a hell of a puncher's chance with that left hook. I, I guess the the other argument you make is the experience. You know, Denaire's had closing in on three hundred rounds. Um, in your way, as you say, is spent less than 10 minutes in the tournament so far and less than 100 rounds in his career so far you look hard enough for anything and I saw plenty of people saying the other day that Kovalev took a dive at the weekend you know which is for me plainly yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know but you look hard enough and you'll you'll find people giving the most ridiculous opinion on anything and and I'm sure there'll be plenty who are saying in your ways in your ways hype in your ways hype in your ways hype and it will just take someone with that bit of guile perhaps to to kind of expose him or or you know or obviously catch him clean and and regardless then anyway will always be well nothing but hype well it got wiped out you know put it this way i haven't spoken to anyone who's predicting anything other than a anyway stoppage and the question as you say if you're convinced that that is the outcome and that the outright prices aren't aren't kind of out of whack enough for you to say well okay dinner's a, a touch of value then the question is how do you how do you approach that and interestingly look i think it pains me to say it a little bit but i think the value on dinner if there was some has gone now you know back in the summer when we were saying like 10 to 1 it is in your way really a 1 to 25 shot mate look maybe there's an argument there that dinner was worth a shot at, at double figures i think the way the market has moved, Denaire is probably, as you say, it's probably a fair price. Ten to one, I think, is a bigger price than I would have made it, as as I mentioned to you. But mm. six to one, seven to one, I don't think I'd be. That there's not enough in that. The tenet of value betting is that price suggests a probability lower than the actual odds or your perceived odds of that outcome actually happening. So, say Denaire was ten to one, I made him an eight to one shot, a nine to one shot. That that should say that I pulled the trigger. Yeah. However, you know, we're we're all human. In reality, there is a buffer, and a, there's this kind of a grey area. And there's a reason that back in July, I didn't say, "Well, Denair is bigger than I'd, I'd make him. He's ten to one. Why didn't I back him?" And I think the answer to that is more than we can get into in one in one episode. But I, I guess in a sport with so few sort of data points and a, a sport that's so kind of emotive, unlike not that these sports don't have their, their kind of ups and downs, but unlike, you know, NFL or football or, you know, soccer, basketball, where you can really be sure a price is exactly where it is that's backed up by stats, by data, by reams and reams of numbers. In boxing, there's so much more emphasis on your own reading of the sport and of the situation in front of you and, you know, and the guys involved. So the, the big question really is essentially, are you a reliable narrator or are you an unreliable narrator? And can you trust your own your own opinion whereas as i've mentioned before you know if you're in if you're a football better you can have that kind of threshold where you're you're seeing a price that's two percent three percent five percent out of line and that's the automatic sort of green light to say yeah that, that's good enough for me 
that's still possible in boxing betting, but without these kind of that wealth of stats to kind of anchor your opinion, those those kind of walls become a little bit more elastic and there's a little bit more I guess where that's where the doubt creeps in and that's where you say, well, hang on, no, I I regardless of Donaire being ten to one, I I just can't I can't see a way that he's gonna get this done. I think, um, I think you're right. I think you're just going to want a bigger variance from your price to the market price at the time to, to probably right. have that confidence to do it. As you said, in, in football with the, the larger amount of data points, you might be happy with two, three percent difference between how you see it and, and how the market's currently seeing it. But um, I mean, I think I'll, I've done the same exercise. I know you'll have done on these fights is you, you price them up yourself or, or try and at least do that before you've spent loads of time looking through sort of, um, you know, what the, the best prices are available at any given time and, and then sort of compare your work against, <laughs> against everybody else's. And, and for me on, on those outrights, they're just, uh, uh, you know, there were small differences, but not enough to probably tempt me in. Um, I think at the time back, uh, in July, I think we did say. I think I might have said to you, ten to one would have been a price that I, I thought was a, a about right for for Denair as well. But I agree with you. It just it's it's still not enough really to tempt me in at the moment. Um, and if I'm brutally honest, I don't know what price would be. Um, would twelve, sixteen? I don't know. I think once you get up to that levels, yeah. But at ten to one, it's just it's just not enough for me to 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 be. Um, throw in any sort of uh, decent bets on on Donaire to be able to, to to come away with the victory. I think a good comparison and one we, that we touched on back then was uh, Luke Campbell against Lomachenko, yeah. who was also touching ten to one at points. And we said, well, look, yeah, he's a, a great boxer, but he hasn't got that equaliser in the same way that that Donaire does. And, and how does he win? And yes, he put up a good, you know, a, a very creditable kind of showing, but never really looked like winning. Denaire may or may not do that, but at the same time, the consensus is that either way, whoever wins, obviously the odds say 90-odd percent that it will be in your way, but I think whoever wins, it's not going to go the distance. Well, I think if you're looking at that then, I mean, you're you're going back to does Denaire have the power then to, to get anyway out of there? And my probably concern on that one is, is yes he is he's obviously been shown he can be a, a, a huge puncher uh, in the past you know some of the, the the old highlight reel knockouts he's got and even Frampton up at a higher weight last year was saying that he properly buzzed him in the the 11th and and you know he, he felt the he felt the punch power so he still obviously has it um I just don't know based on the the last few fights whether the the speed of delivery of those punches is is still there as it was a few years ago you know, he, he did, and he was still throwing that that sort of counter left hook against um, Burnett, um, and he was he was trying it against Frampton when I, I was watching that fight back as well. But it's just not getting there at the same pace it might have done six, seven years ago. So I think it's uh, you know while he, he may land a couple on Inouye and 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 potentially sort of uh, get a chance, I, I just don't think it's going to be with the the, the sort of old. You know, flair guess that that Donaire had a few years ago, and I just, I, I just don't see it myself that he's he's going to be going to be able to pull the trigger and, and and get him out. So, yeah, it's 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 a hard sell, but for me, it's it's pick your point in the the prices at which you think Inouye is is most value. Um, and when I've gone through that, I'd say 
you know, early stoppage is obviously what everybody's jumping on because what Inouye's gone through the tournament and done so far with his, you know, run of first and second round stoppages. Um, so the only point at which I'd say that I, I think there's probably a, a little bit of fat in the prices that you, you, you might see some value is probably when he's getting into the second half of the fight. Um, yep. and, and, and that's that's maybe where I can start to see a, a scenario where Daener is skillful enough that he might be able to see rounds out in a way that some of the other fighters haven't been able to. Um, you know, he's, he's very, very well experienced. He's been up at higher weights and he's shown that he can get through 12 rounds with, you know, maybe not punches of Inouye's class, but but guys who can dig a little bit in recent years. Um, and and so that's probably where I I start heading towards when I'm looking through the prices and seeing what what would be the better better the, the Thursday's fight for me. Yeah, look, I'm glad you said that. It's it, it's one of those. If someone said to me, look, Tom, what is your what's your pick? What's your prediction? I'm going to say in your way, probably four rounds, five rounds. But at the prices, and I'll, I'll kind of delve into those in a second. There's just not enough there. And it's it's one of those where you, you feel like you're kind of swimming against the tide a little bit, which is, is something that is it's a little bit challenging to do sometimes. And it does feel counterintuitive to go against what you believe will happen in search of the price that that you believe is is slightly bigger than it should be. So so let's kind of get stuck into that. Then the we mentioned about the the distance, um, the fight not to go the distance, one to nine, so minus 900, um, obviously 90% implied probability, uh, and about seven to one that it does. So actually, it mirrors the the match odds, actually. So Inoue being the the no, Donaire being the yes, in, in, in a sense. Um, again, that kind of ties in with everything that we said. But if we're saying there's no way to back Inoue at, you know, one to nine, one to 14, which... Again, it's one of those, isn't it, that, you know, you're either going to have very, very deep pockets or you're just going to say, well, there's, there has to be a different way here to, to kind of get yeah. get the guy inside. Um, unfortunately, for, for most who, who kind of thought they might be maybe being a little bit clever, Inoue by stoppage is also kind of prohibitively short. Um, one to five, one to six, so minus 500, minus 600. That's right across the industry, actually. There's no one, no one kind of going as two to nine, so 450, no one going one to four. That might change by Thursday, but I don't think that's the case. Um, a little bit of a, a difference of opinion in terms of a decision 15 to two, short as 13 to two, Labrix, as big as eight to one, Skybet. Um, Bet Victor also going eight to one there as well. I think if you are backing Denair and, you know, it would take a brave man to do it, it might be to go for the the knockout um it's big as 14 to 1 10 to 1 as well 8 to 1 you know 7 to 1 again there's a bit of a spread there but what what would be the price that would tempt you in on that one tom on the stoppage yeah look i don't think 14 to 1 is far off and that's with um is that with that's a spread x um yeah. there's a couple going 10 to 1 there as well and i i think if i turn down 10 to 1 on the outright in the summer 10 to 1 on the stoppage now isn't going to isn't going to hold um, no. kind of credits, but fourteen to one. It's getting close for me. It's, it's I, I, close. I, I said, yeah. I said, when I I priced it, I said sixteen would be the the price. I think that would would get me interested in that as a bet. I think you could quite happily have a a small stake on a, a Denair KO, and and you know, I think as as we both said, you know, you'd you'd almost love to see it because of the career he's had. It would be a, an amazing way for him to end it. I mean, and while I I can't 
really build a case for it, I'd, I'd probably happily have a, a small stakes bet on on, on that, that sort of price and um, and and take the off chance that he goes out in a, a, a blaze of glory. But um, yeah, six things would probably be about where I'd I'd, I'd be interested. And see, that's where it comes down to, you know, these these kind of real fine margins, isn't it? It's fourteen to one. If fourteen to one is a no, at what fourteen to one? Six, six and a half, seven percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, six, there's not huge differences. No, there's there's not. But at the same time, it's this it's kind of underlying exactly the perception of value or the subjective perception of value that you know fourteen to one isn't enough. Sixteen to one, you know, or or, or above would be. It's it's one of those. I think. A Diner decision again is is a massive price, thirty three to one top price, which is the same as the draw, which you pull it like that, and that's yeah, that's kind of yeah. ridiculous in itself. But the argument there would be that yeah, he's going to have, he's going to kind of outfox him, he's going to frustrate. But Diner isn't really that; he's not that kind of fighter. I don't think that's without touching on how how damn good Inoue is as well. Um, the draw, obviously big price at 33 to one but clearly not a runner like it was a couple of weeks ago with with pro gray taylor and that anyway stoppage an 83 percent implied probability that he will win inside the distance so he's on the road in japan but denaire's got his work cut out every kind of way you can you can slice this one so the, the kind of the search continues then doesn't it if um if we're looking for a bigger price it's you touched on it there the round group betting you're still looking fairly strong odds on that Inoue wins in the first half of the fight, rounds one to six, four to seven, so minus 175 uh, with Sky Bet, that is. Um, and even shorter, Betfair going four to nine, minus 225, Spreadex going eight to 15. Now, I think, to be honest, that will probably be the most popular bet of the weekend, unless people are saying, well, actually, one to six is giving me, you know, reasonable odds on. But I'm willing to be a little bit braver, and I'm willing to trim that to one rounds one to four, rounds one to three. It's at that point where you start saying, "Yeah, look, one to six. That's that's already too much, too much wiggle room, too much leeway. That I'm only going to give him three rounds or four rounds to get rid of Donaire." It's at that point that I start thinking, mm, "That's that's not the way I would go with it." Um, and I kind of bring myself around to to the point you mentioned there about if Daenerys is good enough just to extend it a little bit, that's when the prices start getting a little bit interesting. You've got three to one. It's short as nine to four, actually. Um, Betfair plus two to five, but three to one, fairly general price. Um, so plus 300 that Inoue wins in the second half of the fight. Talk me into the argument for that, Jerry. It's not just me seeing that, is it? No, uh, um, I, I think that's exactly sort of the direction I've been heading on and when, when looking at it as well. Um you know, this is. I had a pretty good idea of where the market was for the the outrights and the the methods when I sort of priced this up myself. So you know, there's there's probably some bias or, or you know um, that was dictating maybe some of my prices a little bit when I went through them um, before we we got on this call. But um, the group round betting, I I hadn't delved as much into um, deliberately just to to see if I could get a bit of a fairer reflection. Um, Seven to twelve in UA. I'd said, you know, if, personally, if I was pricing it about nine to four, um, so I, I think they're they're probably that's where I would see some some value. I think. Did you say best price at the moment is three to one? Three to one, actually. Three to one. So yeah, nine yeah. to four. Your your guess was um, that is available, but yeah, three to one is is out there. So I, th- I think that would be. 
I think that 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 would potentially be the direction I'd be heading there as well. Um, and then, you know, when you go through um, some of the, the alternative um, group round betting as well, um, I think when you start getting into the, the second half of the fight, personally, I can see Danair lasting until sort of 10 to 12. But again, I think another area where there might be a little bit of value is is in um, Inua 7 to 9. I think it's around that region that I can see him maybe, um, you know, using his experience to hold... Inua off for a while. Uh, I think he can he can probably um, coax a few rounds out of it. But by the time it gets into the the second half of the fight, then then that's where I'd, I I think the power will start to tell a little bit. While Inua has been stopping people impressively quickly in the last few fights, if you go back into earlier of his career, there's a suggestion that he does keep his power relatively late. I think he's got one or two. I think it's only one actually. Um, tenth round stoppage. On his um, his record from from earlier in his career, I think he might have another one in the eleventh as well. Um, so he does carry his his power late. Um, and if you then look at Donaire as well, at sort of the the only time he he has been stopped previously with um, with Walters, um, he did make it to around a, a sixth round. And, and probably Walters at that time, you know, he, he might not have had the skill set level of of Inoue, but he was he was probably talked about as a, a similar similarly big puncher. Um, so maybe there's a, a, a case that can be made around that, him seeing it sort of to around the midpoint of the fight. Um, and, and that's the point at which uh, which anyway might catch up with him. So, yeah, second half of the fight at, at three to one um, or anyway, somewhere around sort of seven to nine. Um, and I think when I looked at it, it might have, have, have moved a little bit. But the best on that was about nine to two. When I priced it up, I made that seven to two. So, so that's probably the point at which I'd see um, biggest I guess variance in in how I'd see it and and what the best price is available at the moment. There's a scenario, or there is a there's a possibility that actually Inoue's power is just this kind of freakish force of nature that n- that no one can deal with. But there's some really short prices around at the moment on on the kind of Inoue early rounds. You know, rounds round one eight to one, rounds two seventeen to two. You know what's that plus uh, eight fifty for the guys in the states, um, and that kind of carries on round three to one plus eight hundred. These are really really short prices, and again, if if you're kind of playing playing contrarian a little bit, there has to be a point where this slows down. And the problem is in in this fight is that I don't think Denaire is a step up from Rodriguez, and I don't think he's really, to be honest, a step up from Piano at this point. He, he's kind of in, obviously in that mix, but he's not. I don't think he's that kind of next level that will be the guy to to kind of halt this momentum. They're talking about what to do with Inoue next, obviously on the assumption that he wins on Thursday, and they're talking about the Lomachenko fight with Inoue. I don't know where they do it, but presumably at, at featherweight. It's not really a fight that I've got a lot of interest in seeing. We saw Lomachenko Rigondo, and you know that played out as we we kind of thought it would. Um, Obviously, a kind of nice gold-laden fight on paper, but it, you know, a weight mismatch. If I was to to ask you now, Jerry, you've talked a lot about kind of pricing up your own fights, and you can you know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> Put <laughs> in, me on in, the spot. <laughs> in UA Lomachenko at featherweight, how do you price that? Or, um, or let me rephrase that: How the hell do you price that? I I I think. It's not one I've really thought about until you've you've put me on the spot here on it. But I would, when you'd have to take the weight into consideration. And uh, I think as as good a skill set as we've seen from Inoue, I think you would you would have to favour uh, Lomachenko being able to 
to outbox him and with his footwork you'd have to favor him to to be able to maybe stay away from that that power a little better than some of the the opponents have and then you put the the size advantage that he'd he'd probably have in in there as well um i mean it's you're going to have to give Inoue a chance of winning it but i'd i'd be starting lomachenko a, a fairly short priced favorite in that probably somewhere in the region of 1 to 3 Lomachenko. How about yourself? Okay, okay. Um, obviously, it, it depends on the the weight it goes up. But let, let's say featherweight. Um, I would probably say one to five gut reaction. Um, again, unless Inouye is this this kind of unstoppable freak, I, there's a point where that's not going to be enough. And, and no, I don't think I don't think featherweight is Lomachenko's best weight. I think you know he's he's better and notch up from that, but one two six you know featherweight for a guy like in that's a big ask yeah definitely. it's a big ask you know and, and maybe in a few years i'll look back and say well actually you're completely wrong but i think that's a step too much maybe you know maybe super bantam there's some, and there's some really good fights for in there but one two six a two division jump it seems a, a bit too uh, a bit too much uh, the the only thing you might have in his favor is that there's certainly been no signs yet that he's his powers disappearing as he goes up the weights. Um, but uh, again, it's it's one thing having the power, I guess, against the likes of McDonald, Piano and Rodriguez, you know, as good as that run has been. Um, I think it's quite another thing to have it uh, uh, and, and carry it up against Lomachenko. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, he, he, you know, you might be right. I'd probably been a little bit generous, maybe maybe one to five closer, but he's, you're certainly starting Lomachenko as a, a heavy favourite if that ever came about. Jerry, thanks so much for for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get you back on when there's a, a bit more of a head scratcher to to get, get stuck into. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, any time, mate. Any time. And thank you very much for having me on. That's all that we've got time for this week. The show is taking a bit of a breather actually after the the hectic schedule, but we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, looking ahead to Wilder versus Ortiz towards the end of the month. In the meantime, do enjoy the fights this Thursday. Uh, and the fights this weekend, if you're that way inclined and interested in in YouTube white collar, um, gamble responsibly. Um, please do remember to leave a a review uh, and share and and so on. Um, and we will see you soon. Thank you very much. Bye bye.